4, we'll be reading from verses 18 to 22. That's Matthew chapter 4, verses 18 to 22. And I will actually be reading from the NIV 2.11, so hopefully what I read is in line with what's on the screens. Let's read God's word. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in a boat with their father Zebedee, preparing their nets. Jesus called them, and immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. Amen, and may God bless this reading of his word. Well, this morning, um, we've just got a gap filler, I suppose you would say. Uh, We're starting a new series next week, which will go for quite some time until Easter. I hope you can be involved in that with us. Uh, We're really excited about what God's going to do in, through and around us this coming year. But this week was a spare week. So Pastor Darrell said, you're preaching, Charlie, do what you want. Pretty dangerous thing for him to do. But uh, while we were on retreat, uh, Pastor Darrell had us look at a number of the passages about when the disciples were first called. and, And he asked us to really dig into those passages and examine what actually happened in that situation and I think for each and every one of us there is a call upon our life and there's that initial call where Jesus calls us into relationship with him but then there is a call where we are called to serve him and each of us have an individual way to serve None of us are better than another as far as that service is called. Some are called to very unique roles where they have to give up their former life and things like that in order to serve God the way they do. And those people who are called as teachers and pastors and missionaries and those types of things, all of them will be judged more harshly than the average person who is called in their workplace to serve God there. But each of us have a call on our life. And that's what I want to cover this morning. And as we go through this, I want you to think about that first call. When Jesus called you initially to be a follower of his, I want you to think about how your life was transformed at that time, or I hope it was anyway. I want you to think about, because for me, I know that day when I realised I needed Jesus Christ as my Lord and Saviour, I know this thing happened where suddenly the world looked different. And I've got to be honest, I wasn't 100% serious about my faith at that time. That came much later when I received a second call on my life. I want you to think about that initial call and I want you to think about where you are now. When you think about your relationship with Jesus, when you think about your relationship with God the Father, is it stronger? Are you closer to him? Do you hear him more? Have you submitted your life more fully to him? Are you sure of your call? Do you know the hope of eternity? We're going to be introducing a number of things into SDBC this year, and I'm so excited about some of the programs. Well, I hate saying programs. They're not really programs. But we are determined to train people up in the faith. And so we're going to have a, a package where if someone comes to faith, praise God, that is happening. If someone comes to faith, we're going to have a package where you can come to us and say, hey, what have you got where I can help someone establish their faith? We're going to have stuff we can give you. Then we're going to have a discipleship program where you come to us and say, hey, I want to disciple this person. What have you got? We're going to have a number of resources that we can give you. And we're going to be able to walk alongside you and do that. But in order for us to be able to lead people to Christ, in order for us to be able to establish them in the faith, in order for us to be able to disciple people, we have to be sure that we're disciples ourselves. We have to be sure that we're following our Lord. 
And we want to establish you in that. Give us the opportunity to walk alongside you, to encourage you, and to strengthen you. The passage that we looked at this morning, I also gave to some young adults. And they engage with this. And some of the stuff that came out from them is truly outstanding. They'll possibly be quite embarrassed. Some of them are here. I've cherry-picked what they have said. And that's my conclusion for this message. I'm not going to say a word. It's going to be their words that I will say. And it's truly outstanding. I think it's challenging. I want you to think about that at the end. But as they found it challenging, I hope it's challenging for you also. But in order for you to hear from God, every Sunday when you come here, every Sunday, you need to put aside your own agenda. You need to decide you are coming to focus on Christ. You are coming to hear from him. You're not going to allow anything to distract you from that purpose and reason. You have to come with an expectation that God is going to speak to you. And if you do, he will. It's happened to me again and again and again. But it's up to you. It's not up to me. I can do nothing to make you hear from God. You must be willing. So let's all pause and ask him to speak to us this morning. Father God, you are a good father. You are a true and loving God. And Lord, we come to hear from you. So Father, as we open your word, as we engage with that, I pray you'll help us to put aside everything that would hinder us from doing exactly that, that you'll open our hearts and our minds to hear from you. And that, Lord, more than just hearing from you, there'll be something that resonates within us that will cause us to want to change our lives so we can draw closer to you. Father, we need you. Be with us, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. When we read this at the retreat last week, Pastor, Pastor Darrell also gave us a number of parallel passages in the other Gospels to read. And I actually, we were supposed to focus on Matthew and then we could move through the other passages if that's what we wanted to do. And that's what I did. And then I came to this passage, should turn this on, hey. I came to this passage in John. And I noticed for the first time that this didn't actually add up. There was something that was different about John. And I know that just makes me dumb. I should have noticed it a lot sooner. And uh, I don't know why I didn't notice it, but now I have noticed it. It's pretty significant. And, and uh, I was quite excited about the fact that I was able to work through this. And there's these two disciples, it tells us here. And these two disciples of John are Andrew. And as it's mentioned a little later in verse 40 of this passage, and uh, the second one is believed to be John. Most historians believe that it is actually John. And it is believed that this incident occurred about 12 months before the account that we actually read this morning in Matthew 4. So it's most likely that Andrew, John, Simon, Peter and James all spent regular time with Jesus between this event and the event that we read about this morning. And so these guys, they left John the Baptist and they, they were with Jesus daily. They were seeing what he was doing. They were seeing some of the things he did, the miracles that he did. And they were growing to understand who Jesus was a little bit. And then we have what happened in Matthew 4. And it's normal for us to be drawn to the disciples in their interaction with Jesus in the passage that we read and the behavior that they have. But this is all about Jesus. 
And the first thing that I would like to look at this morning in this account in Matthew 4 is Jesus' call on the disciples' life. And Jesus is taking this walk by the Sea of Galilee. The Sea of Galilee is in a particularly big sea. I have stood on the shore of Galilee. You can see quite clearly across the sea. It's really not that wide. In fact, there's a lot of people who won't call it a sea. They call it a lake. And that's recorded in the Bible as well. But Jesus is walking beside the Sea of Galilee. I have no doubt he knows why he's there. He knows he's being called there for a purpose and a reason. And I believe that because of the accounts through Scripture, Jesus has spent a lot of time in prayer about what he is about to do. I believe his very character emphasizes that he would have prayed constantly before making this decision. And he would have asked for wisdom and guidance And it is as a result of what God said to him in the midst of that, that he takes this walk by the sea. And Jesus sees these fishermen there by the shore, they're casting a net, and he simply calls to them. And what is obvious is that there is some authority of Christ here. When he calls, people obey. It's really that simple. And that's what we're seeing here in Scripture. When we think in particular about these fishermen, they receive the call and they commit to being Jesus' disciples. But it isn't discipleship as they knew it in that day. A Jewish rabbi would often have disciples and those potential disciples would approach them and ask if they would be willing to teach them. And they would spend time alongside this rabbi. They would be bound to him. They would follow him around. They would imitate the way that he discerned the scrolls and the scriptures that were before them. They would look at the way that they taught the Torah and they would imitate that as well. And ultimately, these disciples of a rabbi would be expected to stand alone on their own and become a rabbi and find other disciples. And so at the outset of Jesus' ministry here, he sets a fundamentally different way of discipling people. Jesus calls these disciples. It's not the other way around. Jesus calls. And the disciples respond. And so they come to Jesus. And as a disciple of Jesus, you're never at a stage where you do not need he who disciples you, unlike the rabbis. Throughout your life, these disciples, throughout their lives, Always look to Jesus for his direction, his guidance, his teaching, his wisdom. They never outgrew that teaching. And the life of a disciple of Jesus Christ begins with a relationship with him. And we've spoken about that, that justification, that first step where you acknowledge Jesus Christ as Lord and Saviour and you're put back in right relationship with him. That's justification. But then there's our sanctification, that daily setting aside ourselves as holy instruments, useful for him in his hands, submitting each and every day to him. That's what discipleship is about. It's about allowing him full access to your life, each and every part of it. And it's about you being totally obedient, totally surrendered. It's a journey, a wonderful journey that knows no end. Our end comes when we will stand in his presence in glory. And what a time that's going to be. All through this life, he will continue to teach, guide, and instruct us. When we think about the disciples in this account, they knew Jesus before they were received this call in Matthew 4. But knowing Jesus and being totally committed to him and his purposes are very, very different. 
What is important for us to think about is who the disciples thought Jesus was. When we think about them responding to this call, did they know who Jesus was? Did they understand that he was Messiah? When they committed to him, did they fully understand the power that he would bestow upon them when he left this earth? And I don't believe they did. I don't believe they fully understood. And I think the lesson here for us is we don't need to know where Jesus is going to take us. We don't need to know everything about Jesus. We don't attain a special level of spirituality before he can call us and use us for his purposes and his glory. What we need to do is to come to Jesus and say, Lord, I don't have much, but what I have is yours. Use it for your glory and your purposes. And that's what we're asking you to do as a leadership each and every person is put in this place for a reason. You are part of the body of Christ. And each and every one of you can serve him powerfully and mighty in the role he has selected for you. And I firmly believe that. As we read through the Bible, that's emphasised that these disciples really had no idea who Jesus was. They interact with Jesus and as they do, slowly over time, they become more aware of who he is. And the result or their response to Jesus' call to follow them is not because they knew everything about Jesus and who he was. It's about what they understood of Jesus. They knew Jesus wanted the best for them. They knew that in Jesus, he would give them a better life than what they presently had. They knew that in Jesus, he would lead them to be fishers of men. They knew that in Jesus, he was the answers. And slowly that developed in their life. Jesus says, he will make them fishers of men. That's an incredible call. But the first thing he said was, follow me. You cannot be a fisher of men if you're not following Jesus. And first and foremost, we must be determined to follow Jesus. And so, responding to each and every call upon our lives, as vast and varied as they are, we first must commit ourselves fully to Jesus. And I need to ask you, are you a follower of Jesus? Do you believe he is the saviour of the world? And if you believe he's saviour, have you repented? Have you asked him to forgive your sins? Have you asked him to be Lord of your life? Not just saviour, but Lord of your life. If you can say yes, then God has a call upon your life. And there'll be some sitting here today who know that call and are yet to respond. And the reality is, you must. Your unwillingness to respond favourably is a response within itself. I have to tell you, as you, most of you know, when I first encountered Jesus, I didn't really take him seriously. I think my, my first step of faith was one where I was petrified of dying. I had uh, a, a genuine fear of not landing in the hands of a loving God. 
And so when I took that first step of faith, I made a commitment and there was a transformation, but uh, I came to church, I read the Bible, I led youth groups, I did Bible studies, I did a few other Christian things, I was involved in a camping ministry. But, you know, my my Christian walk was something um, that I did rather than a way of life. And so my Christian walk zigzagged a bit. Some of you might say it was peaks and troughs constantly. And so although I should have been going this way, I had a tendency to get distracted by things and I did my own thing from time to time. I don't believe that's what God wants to do in our lives. And then things came to a head for me and I actually recommitted my life in September at Gateway way back in the 90s. I know I don't appear that old, but anyway, I was mid-20s at that stage. And I believe I came the closest I've ever come to hearing God's audible voice. He so clearly spoke to me on that day and he said something that stopped me in my tracks. He said, Charlie, you're either for me or you're against me. How do you respond to that? If you believe that's God speaking to you, what choice do you have? And so I had to respond. I knew this was not a simple question. I knew that this was life-changing. I knew something was about to happen. Would I follow him? Would I be obedient to him? Would I submit to him? And when we think about this, we have to think about the fact that the disciples knew Jesus, just as I did. What was happening was now distinct. It's an individual call for them to not only commit to Jesus and follow him, but to become fishers of men, just as Jesus was. The call is to join Jesus as fellow workers in his mission. It's a call that is appropriate to each and every believer, regardless of your stage of faith. If you're being called right now to repentance and faith in Jesus, you must respond. If you're being called to serve in the church, you must respond. If you're being called to repent of your half-hearted, mediocre devotion to Jesus, then you must respond. And some will respond in obedience and follow Jesus. And sadly, some will reject Jesus' call on their life and go their own way. Did I tell you about the girl that came to faith two weeks ago? I'm not sure if I've mentioned that in the morning service. No? Okay. So, it was the week of the pastor's retreat on Friday. I'd shredded a tyre going out to the pastor's retreat and so I didn't have a vehicle on Friday and uh, I put my car in to be serviced. I told Peter I was available by phone uh, if he needed me. Praise God, my car got fixed and because it was so late, I just stayed home anyway and worked from there. Then Peter phoned me and said, Charlie, can you please come into the office? There's a young lady here who wants to speak to a pastor. I said, no worries, I'm more than willing to come in. So I came in and I sat with this young lady. This is a lady who was desperate in, in herself. She wanted to know Jesus. She wanted to understand how all that works. She had this incredibly basic foundation of faith, didn't really know any of the scriptural stories. I sat with her for a couple of hours. And it was incredible because she had a Catholic background. God just took me to the Lord's Prayer and we worked through that. And as she asked questions, every question she seemed to ask came back to the Lord's Prayer. And I couldn't even do it again if I tried. And in the end, after I told her everything, after I believed, there was no more to say. I simply said to her, today, you're going to walk out that door having accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Saviour or you're going to walk out unchanged and I can't force you. It's your choice. And so this girl chose to follow Jesus. Is that awesome? She gave her life to Christ. I think that's awesome. This is the stuff we do this for. 
And more than that, this girl has since been to a Bible study with us. And, and uh, as you know, when I start a Bible study, I always ask for good news stories. It's what I do. And so we ask for good news stories. This girl was the first person to speak. She says, I haven't really prayed to God. I haven't really asked him for anything. She said, but I, I went to this job. It was my first day on this job. And, and so I was having difficulty with the person who was supposed to be training me. They weren't very nice. And I just said, Lord, please help me and, and allow this to change. And she trusted that God was going to do that. At the end of the day, her and this trainer were best friends. This is a young lady testing her faith already and saying, God, this is in your hands. You can change this situation. And she saw God move. That is incredible. That's what we want to see in each and every one of you. We need to respond to Jesus. We need to follow him. We need to submit to him and his call upon our life. These disciples didn't have all those answers. And Jasmine, that young lady, she doesn't have all the answers. But the little trust she has, she uses. The little faith she has, she steps out. And that's what each and every one of us need to be doing. When they heard Jesus' call, they immediately responded. That's what the disciples did. And the thing is, there's always a cost. This is possibly the major reason why so many Christians, Christians are ineffective. They've never really come to the point or been willing to count the cost of following Jesus. For these disciples to follow Jesus as he intends, it involved great sacrifice for him. Him, them, sorry. They left their nets, they left their boats, they left their father. These men have committed themselves to Jesus, listening to his teachings. And when he calls them here, it's a call to leave behind their former life. It's a call to leave behind their profession. And as I said, there's some of those who are called to do exactly that, but not all of us. And these guys are being called who ultimately will become the first apostles. These will be the first leaders of the church. They will be foundational in reaching the world with the gospel message. And as a result, they can no longer do the professions that they're doing. It's a special call upon their life. But the call remains for each and every believer who would follow Jesus in all of their lives. They must submit to him and his mission. Some will be called to give up their former lives. I'm one of them. I thought I would retire a real estate agent, an auctioneer. God had other ideas. And when I was finally obedient to him, I ended up a pastor. But God doesn't call all of us to give up our former occupations. The best person to reach a non-Christian police officer is possibly a Christian police officer. The best person to reach a non-Christian cleaner is possibly a Christian cleaner. The best person to reach anyone is someone who is alongside them, someone who already knows them. So non-Christians and Christians, we need to redefine our front lines. This isn't where the work of Christ gets done. The work of Christ gets done out there. That's our front line. That's where we need to be proclaiming Jesus. And this place, this place should be a place of celebration where we just are so excited about what God is doing out there and we share that and we spur each other on to greater works. Each of us who respond positively to the call of Christ in their lives need to count that cost. And we're told in Scripture that he who loves his father or mother more than me is not worthy of Jesus. And so it's not that we can't love our parents, but what it is, if we have a challenge, you know, this isn't about deserting family, but if we have a challenge by our family, if we're pressured by them, which compromises our faith or calls us to turn away from our faith, then we have some difficult decisions to make. God 
is not a priority in our life. I've said it before. He is not a priority. As Christians, he is the purpose. Because if he is a priority, he can easily get side-shifted when something else becomes a greater priority. We must get it in our minds that there's no going back. He is the purpose of our lives. And everything we do, everything we do, should be with him in mind. We are called to take up our cross daily. And I've said it before, and I'll possibly never see saying this in this lifetime. The act of taking up your cross is that choice each and every day to follow Jesus. And I want you to think about a person who takes up that cross. Their path is set. They can veer neither left or right. They have no right of appeal. They have no possessions left of their own. They've already been taken, seized. They have no family. Their family have actually disowned them for the most part, refused to acknowledge that they're related. And when you take up your cross, there's only one destination in mind. And so when we're called to take up our cross, it's about living for Jesus. It's about that daily sacrifice again of deciding to follow him. It's you and I, Christ. What can we do today? Someone who is carrying their cross has that primary focus. We are called to die each and every day. And that's to put to death our ambitions, our desires, our wants, and to give them over to him. We're called to give up all we own. Luke 14 says, So therefore, any one of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. And we need to realise all we have is Jesus. He's not the Lord of 10%. He's the Lord of all. And if you can't get that through your mind, you need to. He entrusts to us all that we have, all that we are. We are just managers of what we have. And if he calls us to give it all up, we should be able to just release it because it's his anyway. Everything we have should be loosely held in our hands. Our mind should be set on those things that are above, those things that are eternal. Our treasure is Christ and him crucified. So when this fleeting world passes, we will have him. We will have our reward. In the midst of this is a word of warning. When I was younger, I used to wonder about Judas. Jesus calls these guys. He knows what they're going to do from the beginning to the end. And he knows that Judas is going to betray him. And I appreciate that Judas was necessary so the scripture would be fulfilled the way that it had been written thousands of years before. But I also believe Judas was put there for an example for us. And I believe that's confirmed by a number of stories in scripture, which speaks about the weeds growing up amongst the wheat. There are people who will appear, appear to be followers of Jesus. They're not. There are people who are amongst us who are Judases. Scripture is very clear about that. They always have been. They always will be in the church. And so you, as disciplined followers of Christ, need to discern who is following Jesus and who isn't. When you're offered advice from people, you need to line it up with God's word. Is what they're saying really what God's word says? You need to listen 
and see how people are acting and say, is that how a true Christian would act? I believe we're being warned that they're here. And when we decide to follow someone, we have to be sure that their hearts and lives are fully committed to Christ. And as a result, how they instruct, offer and elevate us has to be godly. And you need to cut off those who aren't. So as we head into 2020, I'm asking you to reassess your life before Christ again. Is it clearly evident by your life that you are following Jesus? Because it should be. And if it's not, what are you going to change? What are you going to do? How are you going to draw closer to God? I have the incredible pleasure of doing Bible studies regularly with people via electronic media. I know a lot of you think electronic media is evil. I do Bible studies by electronic media. If you want to call that evil, go ahead. But these people are drawing closer to God and they are more engaged with God now than they were before because we're able to do this. They saw a need and they said, I want to draw closer to God. Can you help me? And I've possibly got five people, five young people I'm doing that with at the moment, not including all the others that I meet face to face. As I said, I gave the passage of scripture we had this morning to some young adults. And now we're going to look at some of the things they ask. I want you to really think about what comes up on the screens. Some of this is going to talk to you powerfully. Some of this is going to challenge you. Don't leave here without responding to that challenge, please. Because that's not me. That's Holy Spirit. He's speaking to you and you need to respond. This is what some of these people said. This is a prime example of what we should be and it convicts me. Jesus has all the time for us. But how much time do I have for him? Do you spend time getting to know Jesus. If you're a disciple of his, you should. If you are struggling with this, please come and see us. We would love to help you spend time with Jesus. It makes me question myself as a disciple of God. When or how would I drop what I am doing to focus on what Jesus wants of me? Think about your workplace. Do you pause and consider what Jesus would want of you? Think about your plans for the future. Do you say, Lord willing, I will do this. Lord willing, I will do that. Have you prayed about your future and asked God to speak into that? And if he says something different to the decisions and plans you have made, are you willing to change your decisions and plans in order to honour and glorify him? They had to be willing to surrender anything that might get in the way of his leadership in their lives. Again, what are the blockers for you? If you are not walking with Jesus, if you don't know his voice, if you don't hear from him when you read your word, what's blocking you? What's stopping you? What do you need to confess or repent of? What habits do you need to change in order for you to allow him to lead you. He is either Lord of all 
or is not Lord at all. For these disciples to follow Jesus, they demonstrated a willingness to allow their identity, status and worth to be determined by him. This is this total submission. It's no longer about me, what I can gain, what I can do, who I can be, what people think of me. This is about Jesus. And I'm willing to take whatever steps it requires in order for that to happen. Is that true for you? If that was true, I think we'd have a number of people come down the front because they wouldn't care what you think about them. They would just say, Jesus, this is you and I. I want to get this right with you. I want to respond to you. I want to submit to you. I want 2020 to be the best year for you and I, God. I want to grow this year is that you reading this is kind of convicting because I would already have so many doubts questions testing to see where this person would lead me I think this is echoed in some of the stuff I said earlier it's okay to have doubts it's okay to have questions it's okay to wonder whether you should be testing that voice and that call upon your life. It's not so much about whether these things happen because you speak to Pastor Daryl, he's going to say, yes, he's had doubts. You speak to me, I'm going to say the same thing. Pastor David, Pastor Brendan, it's what you do with that that counts. So regardless of that, are you willing to submit and follow Jesus and say, Lord, I've got my doubts. Lord, I don't know where you're taking me. Lord, I don't know what you're going to do, but I'm yours anyway. Show me your greater plan and purpose. That's what it's about. This is cool. I like this. They heard Jesus while they were at work. How can we work in a way that helps us to tune into Jesus' voice? This is about the everyday. This is about the job that perhaps God has called you to, the role that you have in our communities. And this is about taking time like, in the midst of this, Lord, how can I serve you? Who do I need to speak to about you? What can I do in order that your name is elevated in this place? I want people to know you, God. That's the motivation behind that. How do you tune into God's voice in the middle of your workday? This reminds me that when I follow Christ, it's not just part of me that follows, but everything. Is that true of you? Have you given everything to him? I like this too. Jesus is the way. What you do as a follower, not even a leader, can be greatly influential. This person saying, you don't need to be up front. You don't need to be a person who is seen as a leader. You need to be obedient wherever you are, whatever you're doing. And scripture tells us that if you're obedient and faithful with the little, God will give you more. So maybe in the menial task and role that you have, if you're faithful to God, he will bless you and give you more. And he'll give you more important roles. Think of Stephen. When you think of Stephen, this is a man who was seen as holy in scripture. What did he do? He basically waited on tables. But he did it in an incredible way, so people could see Christ in him. What nets do I need to leave to follow Jesus wholeheartedly? Obstacles, material attachments, comfort. What is stopping me from following Jesus wholeheartedly? Are you ready to trust Jesus fully and to obey his command to take the gospel to all the world? It's a call for each and every one of us. And we must respond. We either obey or we don't.
I've doubled one up here. This is the last one. Jesus wants us to become fishers of men. That's true for you as individuals. It's true for us as a church, as a people of God. And are we willing to do all those things that were mentioned before in order to make that happen? I can't make you. None of the pastors can make you. You alone can submit to Christ and ask him to do that for you. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for the power of your word. I thank you for how it speaks to us. And I thank you for this simple little passage, Lord, which challenges so much. But Lord, I pray for us as a people that our desire would be to submit fully to you, that we would be obedient to you and the call on our lives, that, Lord, we would want to see you, not only as saviour, which is so good, it's so great to be able to say Jesus saves, but, Lord, we want to see you as Lord of our life. And, Lord, there's people here, I know you've spoken to them by power of Holy Spirit. Lord, don't let them leave without dealing with this. Let them come forward for prayer. Let them speak to a Christian brother or sister. Let us be a people in 2020, Lord, who are submitted fully to you, who will see lives changed as a result of doing that. Thank you for your call upon our life and thank you that it's a call on each and every person who calls you Lord and Saviour. You have a purpose and a reason for us. Let us grow into that more, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen.